0: Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm Misty. We're from Geek Farm Life.
1: Wiggly Wigglers has made it to show fifty. Congratulations! Woo! <laughs> Welcome, dear listener, to show number fifty! Yay! Happy
2: birthday to us, eh? It's oh, quite an achievement, isn't it?
1: 52 weeks, though, for a birthday.
2: Two cards, one at Christmas, one at Easter, wasn't it?
1: Oh, OK, that's fine then. So we're going to have the champagne.
2: Shall I do the honours?
1: The only trouble is that it's Sam has been sent to get the champagne. Yeah, He's come back with Carver. Never mind, never no. mind. No. Rich and I
2: aren't fussy. So there are really definitely the first four star <laughs> folk who play up about such <laughs> niceties. <laughs> we don't. We mind, go, do? No, we, do? we don't mind at all. One little as bit. There's plenty of it.
3: And as, as long, long as. as long. Long.
2: Oh. Oh. Hey. Well done.
1: OK, so there's one, two, three, four, five. And we need six glasses poured because this one is for you, listener. There we are.
3: Hey. Hey. Hey.
1: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very That's good. nice though, isn't it? Very nice. Yeah.
4: And poured to perfection.
2: I expect toast will have
4: that one.
1: OK. Let's give one to Michael.
4: Well, unless you fancy licking it off the table,
3: right. fellows.
4: <laughs> I think there's every chance. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Michael's got his. There we go. Here we go, okay. guys. Yay. Cheers, Cheers. 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 Cheers Happy birthday. Good health. Good health.
3: Cheers, Michael.
4: Cheers, Alison.
3: Cheers,
1: Cheers, Michael.
4: Cheers to another whole year know. of hot Cheers, water. Michael. Yeah. Good health. Good health. Now,
1: please note... No pod fade. No pod fade from the Wiggly podcast. We're still here.
2: Pod fade?
1: <laughs> pod fade. It's when okay. you give up doing a podcast because you haven't got anything else to say.
2: That's never likely to be a problem with you, dear. Is well, I've got <laughs> to say after this.
1: I don't think there's any problem with that. Yeah. Now, last week, I did have some hesitations, as you, listener, probably heard about Ricardo going off to talk to the professor about EM and cancer. But I'd like to say that he was completely right. I thoroughly enjoyed the report from Bavaria, uh, EM Festa. And so we're going over to Ricardo, the Rovin reporter's next report. Can you tell me a little bit about who you've gone to talk to?
4: The guy I spoke to is a fellow called Percy Schmeiser. And I did mention him last week, I think. Great bloke, really enthusiastic bloke. Had massive problems with Monsanto over the last eight years. Michael's listened to the interview. I think Phil's listened to the interview already. And Phil doesn't seem to think, you know, I've been disparaging towards him or his father in any way. But I wonder if he's listened to the, the bits that Michael <laughs> may, have, may have edited. But uh, we shall see. But it was a great interview. A really good opportunity to talk to someone about not necessarily EM because he wasn't there because of his experiences with EM. He was at the conference because of his experiences with GM. But one interesting thing that he did mention at the end of our conversation, at the end of the interview, was that his wife had recently suffered from breast cancer and it might be something that he could use EMX in, with the treatment of his wife. You know, it might be a bit of a picker up
1: Without further ado, let's go over to Ricardo, the roving reporter, who I think might be on the job in Bavaria.
4: Well, I've walked outside, and it's a beautiful day yet again. That, that was by far the most inspiring talk that I've heard, probably ever, in actual fact. And I've just walked into the toilets, and amazingly enough, even the toilets are being treated with an, an EM solution. Uh, it's got a slight odour to it, slightly kind of... Uh, yeasty I guess um, not overly pleasant I have to say so I'm not quite sure about the, uh, the application of EM to treat in uh, sanitary conditions but it's a, such a vibrant festival, people are going round, you know obviously the predominantly people here are, are Germans but most people speak English fortunately, and what I'm going to try and do now is find a couple of other people to interview but I think I'll be hard pressed to find someone with Dr Usami's passion and enthusiasm but I'll, I'm going to give it a go It's nice to see you. I wonder if you could just introduce yourself and say what you're doing here.
0: Well, uh, my name is Percy Schmeiser and I come uh, from western Canada, province of Saskatchewan, basically in the heart of the grain-growing area of the west. So I've come here to give a presentation in regards to the effects... What happens when you introduce GMOs in, into a country or into a particular state?
4: Right. So, so you you are a farmer, aren't you, Percy?
0: Yes. Uh, not only uh, a farmer, but I also, uh, as a farmer, I was known as a seed developer in we call it canola, but in Europe, I think it's mostly called rapeseed. Right. And so I had done that for over 50 years and had developed various varieties of seed that were suitable for our conditions, climatic and soil conditions, in western Canada.
4: Right, okay. My old adversary <laughs> and my uh, and, like, buddy, in actual farmer, Phil, who I, who I work with back in England, um, we have great debates over land management techniques. But Phil is, uh, is has a love affair with uh, Monsanto and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and all things chemical-like. <laughs> And I, I know that a couple of the speakers today have made reference to the fact that you are in a situation with Monsanto.
0: Yes, um, it isn't even over yet, but in 1998, Monsanto uh, contaminated a lot of my uh, grape fields because they had sold it to my neighbor, GMO canola. Right. And within a year, it had, uh, to a small percentage, had uh, basically roamed all my research and development are 50 years because there was now GMO into my pure rapeseed. Right. And they laid a lawsuit against me and said that I was growing their GMO canola oh. or, or uh, wow. rapeseed uh, without a license from them. Right. A- and so uh, it was quite a, a surprise because at that time in 1998, there was very little known about GMO rapeseed. And basically farmers that grew it had to go to a special Monsanto meeting and so uh, we stood up my wife and I stood up to Monsanto and said if you have any of your GMO rapeseed in our pure uh, seed canola seed or rapeseed then you should be liable for the damage you have done. And basically it was a patent infringement lawsuit where they said Monsanto said they have a patent on this gene and it doesn't matter how this patent gene gets into any farmer's field, whether you're an organic farmer or a conventional farmer or a seed developer like me, they now own and control all your seeds or plants. And you no longer have ownership, and you're no longer allowed to use your own plants or seed again. So that was quite, a, uh, quite a, an astounding statement by Monsanto. So we stood up to Monsanto, and through the whole complete court system, ending in the Supreme Court of Canada where a decision had to be made and the Supreme Court ruled that Monsanto's patent on a gene is valid. Right. And it doesn't matter how that gene as they had said, gets into any life form, any higher life form really? which is a cedar plant it can be into a bird, bee, animal even a human being, right. they own and control that life well. form. And all the that Monsanto came after me for damages or light, a violation ...of their patent, uh, punitive damages, and want, they wanted to the control of my seat, they lost. Right. They didn't get one cent from me, but I had, the, what was not fair, the Supreme Court ruled that we each have to pay our court legal fees. Well, Monsanto's legal fees was in the, in, in the neighborhood of over $2 million, oh, going six years of legal battle. My fees were over 400000 so it's a lot easier for a corporation to pay a $2 million legal bill for a, a charge or for a lawsuit, they initiated right, Then a farmer to stand up for his rights to his own seeds and plants to pay $400,000. Yeah. So Monsanto had said during the, the various court proceedings that it was a test case for them to see how far they could exercise control over farmers' seeds and plants through patent law. So that's what it was all about. and uh, So then we now have, because we've had GMOs for quite some time, 11 years, because it was introduced in 1996, we see all the adverse effects by having GMOs, which a lot of people don't realize in the world, and especially in Europe. And so uh, Europeans and people all over the world can benefit from what has happened to us with the introduction of GMOs in the environmental issue, in the food and health and safety issue, the loss of indigenous seeds, but basically control over people control over gardeners tree planters and especially farmers you basically lose all your rates as a farmer
4: i think most people find that very hard to believe you know i mean it's obviously what's happened and Mm -hmm. it's it's very real but it's just amazing to think that something like that could actually happen
0: there's a lot of other issues the issue too uh, is that farmers were told increased yields more nutritious less chemical use Everything, the opposite has happened. The yields have gone down. The nutritional value has gone down. But massive increased use of chemicals because of the new superweeds, new mutants that have developed by the canola or rapeseed plant. And that uh, superweed, as we call it, is not only in rape fields, it's, it's moved into wheat fields, barley fields, oats fields, you'd be hard-pressed not to find this new superweed in any farmer's field in all of Western Canada. It's moved into our towns, our cities, our municipal golf courses, our cemeteries, all now creating new expense for people. So it's not only farmers that have been affected, it's also everyone in our society.
4: Right. You see, that's really interesting because I know Phil, my my colleague Phil, the farmer's uh, father, who farmed the farm mm-hmm. where we're based at Blakemere uh, previously to Phil. He, he argues that with organic farming, there's a particular species of plant that can be endemic as a consequence of not using chemicals, and this thing is quite invasive and really problematic. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, of course, that there are species of plants that are com- incredibly robust and able to grow even through the application of chemicals.
0: Right, yeah. and you see, what I hear the most when I come to Europe and many other parts of the world where the corporations, especially Monsanto, says you can have coexistence. There is no such thing as coexistence. Once you introduce GMOs, it's over. Right. It destroys the organic farmer. It destroys this uh, myself as a conventional farmer. It destroys the person that's in the seed-growing business and so on. So there is no such thing as coexistence. Right. They used to say that. in the United States and Canada, but they no longer say it because we have seen the results. And the other issue is that you cannot contain it. You can't contain nature. They said all you have to use is a 50 metre or a kilometre barrier. There is no safe distance. It can go for hundreds of kilometres. How are you going to stop uh, little cyclones, little tornadoes? How are you going to stop geese and birds that pass through and fly? And so We have found that within four years, our total canola supply or rapeseed supply in Canada is now totally contaminated with GMOs. So there is no more choice left. It also affects not only the crop or the seeds or plants you put the gene into to make it resistant to a chemical... It affects every plant in that family. Now, to give you an example, canola or rapeseed comes from the brassica family, has close cousins, radishes, turnips, cauliflower. It's now cross-pollinating into those market garden crops, making more crops, yep. GMO, which organic farmers no longer can raise. So, it basically, the whole idea is to contaminate, and then people no longer have a choice. You no longer have a choice once GMO is introduced. So, that is what has happened and so when they say that all you have to do is to leave a buffer strip That's we've ridiculous. seen 50 miles 100 miles it, it has spread. Ridiculous. How are you going to stop transportation seeds blown into wind? So a lot of the the uh, contamination comes not only from pollen flow; it comes from seed movement. Right. Okay. Transportation by us a lot is moved by rail cars because we are such a, a large country. Yeah. It falls off the the cars and so on, so it has spread throughout our country within yep. a few years. That so makes sense. No containment, no coexistence, and it's over. Right. So. We have seen what has happened with the introduction of GMOs. Now, I never go to a country or an area to tell people what to do.
4: No, you, you have, a choice, in, you have a choice, and you have a choice have your Europe. experience. Yeah.
0: But we, I'm here to tell what has happened. Then people can say uh, and make a judgment. Make yeah. a, and we didn't have anybody. In 1996, when regulatory approval was given to tell us what could happen. No, we sure. listened to our government. We listened to the corporations about this new wonder gene mm. that was out there and how farmers could have sustainable agriculture and feed a hungry world is what we were told. Yeah. The opposite has happened.
4: Yeah, sure. Well, okay. thank you very much, Percy. Oh,
0: you're welcome.
1: Before I let the troops loose, I'd just like to say that I'm joined on the sofa by...
3: Richard? Phil
1: and Alison, and Al, you're going to speak to us about
3: preparing your ground for hedge planting.
1: Lovely time yeah. of year for that isn't mm, it Nearly, nearly, yes. Lovely. We'll come back to that. Off you go, boys. What did you think of that then? Uh,
4: <laughs> GM isn't something I know about really, so I thought it'd be a great opportunity. Don't to, let to that say...
1: stop you, Rich. <laughs> no, it <doesn't.
4: laughs> no, it doesn't usually, does it? To ask Phil about what he thinks about GM because it's something that's in uh, in the media headlines quite a lot. I mean, it's got a bit quiet recently. And I've always thought that there may be pros and cons for GM. In an ideal world, if we had genetically modified crops that have greater yields, then that would make sense. But I think the implications are much, much greater than that. And certainly there are inherent problems with genetically modified crops.
2: So I wonder what Phil thought about the whole thing. Well, I was fascinated by it, because like Rich, before I heard what he'd got to say, I thought there would be pros and cons to GMOs. And there are lots of GMOs, you know, we use penicillins and things like that, they're genetically modified bacteria that produce them. Mm -hmm. So that there are good points and bad points. But having listened to his interview, there were several things that were critically important to me. One, that he is a person who spends his life selecting types of canola or rapeseed to make new varieties. So he's already in the business of progressing rape varieties for modern farming, so he knows all about that. And for him to say that GMOs are a bad thing is much more significant to me as a farmer than for me saying that GMOs are a good or bad thing.
1: Or Richard, even.
2: Certainly, or Richard. Mm. But the other thing that interested me (laughs) about it was that I had always thought that there was potential for environmental benefit because glyphosate, or Roundup, which is basically the main chemical that they're trying to use as a weed killer, is environmentally very benign. It's a more or less harmless weed killer. which is unusual. It's it's on its own. And so to produce a crop that you can spray it on, and that kills all the weeds, would be great, both environmentally and for the crop. What I hadn't realised was that Canada, who are years ahead of us in genetically modified crops, are now starting to encounter the problems. So they've got cross-pollination with other plants, and they're managing to get this resistant gene into other plants so that you've got weeds, so-called superweeds, which has always been purported to be the nightmare, and Monsanto et al have poo-pooed it. And you're also given the demonstration that Monsanto, probably because of the money involved, are pretty ruthless in their promotion of it. And so that, contrary to Ricardo's slightly sweeping statement that I'm in love with Monsanto, (laughs) (laughs) I I am no more in love with Monsanto than he is. It sounded great at the time. (laughs) <laughs> um, but they, they are a ruthless corporation who are intent on, I believe, getting their GMO crops into the environment yeah. by hook or by crook. It doesn't matter yeah. which they... Once they've contaminated all oilseed rape with their crops, they'll then turn around and say, GMOs, you've got them anyway. Phil's
4: absolutely right, because he, he, I mean, he doesn't know his stuff, even though he's forever modest. And I, I'm completely in agreement with him. One thing I would say, though, is when I talk about... Often, often when I go out and do talks and I talk about glyphosate, people often uh, and quite rightly in most instances assume that they're quite harmless and by comparison to a lot of chemicals they are but there are in certain situations there are surfactants that are used in herbicides that ensure that that herbicide can adhere to the the plant leaf so it kind of sticks to it without rolling off it and some of those surfecants can be carcinogenic so it's worth just realizing that any chemical is potentially harmful so even if we talk about glyphosate based herbicide and put them into a category of being relatively harmless which they are because in lots of instances what does happen with Roundup for instance is the molecules are dear to soil molecules and they're broken down by the microbial life in the soil very very quickly which is why in that sense they are particularly harmless but it's just worth considering that whatever chemical you use the chances are there will be some side effects.
1: Just before I go back over to Phil you'll notice this kind of new tone in the air. And I don't know whether it's because Phil is sat by his 410 shotgun or whether Richard is in some sort of humble mode, but Richard's sort of looking <laughs> like a naughty schoolboy and he's sat, no, sort well, of puzzle. Not, not and that. Phil is kind of looking <laughs> like not, this aggressive nutcase. It's, more, it's yeah. more
4: that we, we thought we'd, to, in order to be more constructive, we'd try and avoid having these great big... Arguments and debates. We'll come back to <laughs> our great big arguments and debates, but for the time being, we'll address some really interesting, pressing issues. It's quite the fact sweet, that Phil sat yeah, I've got to sweet. correct you about the whole shotgun thing, because this is a 12 ball. That's not a 410. <laughs> oh, that a 410, say that and there's such thing as a 410 rifle. Oh. It's a 410 shotgun,
1: certainly. Oh. <laughs> a,
4: and there oh. is a, a woman. <laughs> You in fact, you won't appreciate the finer details. And, and what
1: does it matter?
4: <laughs>
2: he had to start arguing at some yeah, point, yeah. didn't he? <laughs>
1: That's right, pick on me now. Is, it
2: is a 12-4, so okay. yeah. Just very briefly on the subject of glyphosate, because mm. we're back to GMOs. Glyphosate is a chemical on its own. It's not a not a family, it's just a chemical compound, mm. and you're dead right to say that the wetters mm. are the significant bit but it is the only systemic weed killer which uses natural wetters in the form of tallow amines. And they are naturally occurring (laughs) substances, which is what makes it... It's one of the very few chemicals that is approved by people like the Soil Association in certain circumstances. It is on its own.
1: So, Mm -hmm. to conclude, on the Wiggly Sofa, GM or no?
2: If the market doesn't want GM, and having listened to Percy Schmeiser's interview, I won't be growing GM. But there are some interesting points that
4: Phil made earlier on. We were, we were talking about GM earlier on. I mean, I, I've had great debates with Wiggly customers before about GM. Yeah. And I've defended GM. Really? Because, yeah, but only in an attempt to be <laughs> slightly more argumentative. Really? <laughs> hardly <laughs> enough. Uh, but Phil was making some great points about GM earlier on, and I, I think this might be a good opportunity to listen to those.
2: There could be serious benefits from them because of the getting rid of using some of the weed killers that have been used worldwide particularly on maize or corn yeah historic weed killers that were used on those are not very nice chemicals they're very long lasting in the soil they don't break down like glyphosate so environmentally in an ideal world there are significant benefits perhaps to be had but at what cost yeah and My ultimate view is that Monsanto, in my opinion, have gone about it the wrong way and have tried to railroad everybody into their way of thinking. And if the market, the customer, doesn't want GMOs, the view I take is it doesn't matter how good or bad they are, then there seems little point in growing them. What worries me is that Monsanto, when I'm in my cynical mode, I believe, are taking the view that if all crops are contaminated with GMOs, they will then be in a position to say, well, You've got GMOs, whether you like it or not, you might as well grow them now.
1: At Mm. any rate, if you work at Monsanto or have got a different view on the subject, if you'd like to email us and let us know what it is, you can email P W G at lowerblakemere.co.uk or Richard.
4: Simply richard at wigglywigglers.co.uk.
1: And forget it with me because I don't understand it all. What I want to know is GM or no, Richard?
4: (laughs) My feeling is no.
1: Pharmaphil?
2: I don't think so, no.
1: Now I must read you out our latest review on iTunes, sadly by a nom. So if you've written this review, please let yourself be known to us <laughs> so, <you sure> <laughs> so not, we can so, get you.
4: Are you sure this isn't a mate that's... that's uh, <laughs> this is no <laughs> mate of mine, mate. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you want to hear it? <laughs> OK, listen to this podcast and close your eyes. Well, at first I had visions of a group of eccentric country bumpkins stood in gumboots, dripping mud on the best carpet. (laughs) All stood around a tattered sofa while Heather, also known as a mad old bat, (laughs) whittered on about milk or chocolate and Phil fidgeted with a (laughs) (laughs) 4'10 in the kitchen, accidentally taking lumps out of the ceiling. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Little do they know, eh? (laughs) (laughs) The podcast is well produced, entertaining, and a visit to the website shows that these people are committed, rather than needing to be, to their cause of making Britain a little bit better to live in. Heather looks nothing like Professor Sprout from Hogwarts. And there is a picture of her so that you can check, Richard.
4: I I can see the similarities.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And this really is a (laughs) milker (laughs) the podcast. (laughs) The only problem with this review, which I'm very grateful for, Anon, and Richard, you can stop laughing because I am not a witch from Hogwarts, is that two policemen came round on Monday, Rich, and spoke to you.
4: They did. (laughs) I, I I was in the house at the time and I walked out of the house. There were two, male and female one, the guy I knew a while ago, a nice bloke actually, really nice bloke, but the female said, oh, is this the chap we're looking for? And, and he, of course he recognised me and said, no, no, it isn't actually. <laughs> it, but he was quite bewildered to see me here because I, I knew him in a previous life. I used to work with him when I was working with the other communities. I said, we're looking for Philip Gorinch. I said, oh, right, OK. Um, yeah, I don't know where Phil is. He's around somewhere. So I said, well, come on, let's go to the farm and I'll have a look. So we had, we had a look and I said, is everything OK? He said, yes, yes, nothing to worry about. Nothing. We just wanted to have a chat with him. I said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so, because I, I was completely intrigued, now pretending that I wasn't that bothered at yeah. all, but thinking, "Oh, I wonder what."
1: farmer <laughs> do he <laughs> uh,
4: So, we walked up and saw Kevin manicuring the uh, the crop sprayer, and, and he didn't know where Phil was, and he but he, he seemed to think you were away over down at of, yeah, playing inside. with my cattle, yeah. Uh, and so, anyway, they, I, I said, Is, uh, "Can I take a message at all?" And I said, "No, <laughs> no. Um, we just want to have a chat with him." Uh, Nothing to worry about. We've had it, and we've had a little complaint from somebody uh, whose name to be remain anonymous. And I said, okay. So I I got a card, and then I I rang Phil up and said, (laughs) Phil, we've had a visitor from a couple of boys in blue, and uh, they want to have a little chat with you, a little discreet chat. (laughs) And and (laughs) spoke to Phil Phil afterwards, and Phil thought I was winding him up, didn't he?
1: He did. He did.
4: So, so Phil, you're going to, have to, you're going to have to come clean. You're going to have to tell us what all this was about.
1: I think I can shed a little bit more light on this subject <laughs> because having allowed somebody to ride their horse round and about, mm. they had gone into completely the wrong patch. And he'd asked them not to be there and couldn't think why this would cause a problem at all, although there was a bit of a row on. But when I came back from Fat Club last Thursday evening, yeah. he was sat at the kitchen table Drinking a cup of tea and a glass of beer, looking a bit confused. And I said, what's up then, Phil? And he said, the police have been round again. And they said that I said that I was going to shoot someone. No. <laughs> I said, what have you been doing? What have you been doing? And he said, well, I said to her, if she rode off the footpath in the wood, she would end up getting shot. Uh, Meaning that the shooters would accidentally pepper her. Yeah. And she's phoned the police and accused me of trying to shoot her. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, poor old Phil. It did upset him, actually, didn't it?
2: Yeah, I've had a stressful week. Put me all about. It's not often you get told you threatened to murder someone. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, luckily, the boys in blue recognised that I am as a pillar of the community and good old boy, So they didn't think I was likely to go and shoot her. And I did tell the the nice policeman that the cowboys of of Lower Blackmere would still ride out, but we'd go unarmed for a couple of days if that (laughs) helped. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, dear listener,
1: if we do need to launch a campaign, Free Farmer Phil, we're trusting that you will be on our side, emailing in with your demands to release him from Gloucester Jail. (laughs) Why have you got your 12 ball with you today, Phil?
2: because I wanted to make sure that Ricardo (laughs) realised who was in the ascendance.
1: That's
4: great, yeah. (laughs) Drinking carver in one hand and being
2: threatened by by a 12-boy. It's all
1: gone to his head. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to apologise to the neighbour at all?
2: Uh, I don't feel I would, no. (laughs)
1: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So... Time to start preparing the ground for your hedge, I understand.
3: Yeah, you can do now. Um, you can um, probably get rid of most of the weeds by digging it over, um, digging the trench out maybe, enhancing it with a bit of bark or something for drainage if it's deep clay, putting a bit of horticultural sand in maybe. And just like, it needs to be two, three foot width and just a spade depth really. You can always dig it deeper after. Or alternatively, you can put a load of bark or something down to kill the weeds. um, Or you could use Roundup, Rich. What
1: what about deciding where to put this hedge? Because everyone thinks of putting it around their patch, but the wiggly hedge is straight through the middle in a wiggly line. Yeah. So, what's your thought? Um, Well,
3: you can put it straight through the middle of your garden, and you can do it in twiggles and swirls and things, or you can put it up against a fence to hide the larch lap fence in. It's pretty ugly, isn't it? Um, But it doesn't have to go around the boundary of your garden, like our garden, Wiggly Garden. It's good, isn't it? I had a query the other
4: day, Al. Someone wants to do it at hedge. They exist adjacent to a parkland, so they want to tie in the hedge so as it connects to the parkland, a bit of a corridor. And they wanted to know whether or not they could put their hedge on a south-facing location, quite dry, but they also wanted to know how they could improve the ground where they're going to put the hedge line significantly enough so that it would hold sufficient moisture for the plants to survive over the summer.
3: Well, because they're bare-rooted and they're planted in the dormant months anyway, um, they could get well-established throughout the winter. And, I mean, you wouldn't have to do too much to the ground as long as you planted them deep enough. Right. If the roots were exposed above the ground, because it'll sink um, once it's rained or you've had a heavy gale or something, the ground will sink so that the roots will be exposed. So. Then they become unsteady in the ground and okay. things like that. So as long as you've planted them correctly, um, you shouldn't have too much problem.
1: How deep then, Al? Would you plant your bare root hedge um, plants?
3: About a spade's depth, maybe deeper. I mean, it depends on the root system of each individual plant. Right. And um, the hazels have got much thicker roots. Hawthorn, not too bad. Just have to go and what they're like. Really. Make
1: sure they're well covered.
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's no good putting soil up around them. It's better to dig it deeper and well cover it of course but it's no good bolding it up like that because that's no good at all
4: no good at all well supposedly we were going to sell some trees this year some proper trees in inverted brackets and i i just wondered some of the hedging plants <laughs> <are> <laughs> They're they <threes>? potentially <laughs> could they be trees <laughs>
3: Yeah, they could be Uh, trees, like like uh, a beech tree. Yeah, 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 I I mean, you (laughs) You can grow a beech up in amongst all the hedges. Yeah, Yeah, if you've got one straight beech, you can keep it as a tree. Just trim the the bottom and side branches, and as long as you've got a good straight uh, centre leader, then it will grow up into a tree. Years to come, fifty years maybe.
2: Field yeah. maples are quite good because they'll grow into a tree that's not, not enormous. They um, grow into ah. lovely old gnarly old trees. Sometimes mm. you get a
4: field maple in the middle of a field and it's an old gnarly yeah, old kind very, of broken good, humble yeah.
3: looking thing
1: but lots
4: and lots of character.
3: And they're fantastic for the autumn colour the yeah. maples. Yeah.
1: So highlights as trees. The top three trees from out would be...
3: To plant within the hedge. Yeah. Um, what you can grow a hazel up in the hedge or a beech. Ash, um.
1: Stop! That's three. That's it, listener. <laughs> Get your banner for money. There's only three, that's it.
3: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> now, on this note of hedgerows...
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, we're not, we're not, we're not going, back. <laughs> going back to the route. No, we're not going to go back. We're not
1: going back to the route. Alison has had her family listen to the podcast <laughs> and they have been driven potty by... Oh, I know. I'm
4: sat
3: by Farmer Phil with his
4: oh, gun, so imagine, that's fine. I can, I can imagine <laughs> that, that uh, flavour the of the
3: briefest month. No, it's just, just as a fever. mark of
4: respect, really, for a couple of people that have got back to us that have obviously quite impassioned by our, our lively debate Louise and Alex, thanks, guys, for your comments. Alex, I think, is talking to us from across the pond because he does mention about, about the fact that he's a little bit disillusioned with some of the average American environmentalist attitudes. Yeah. What he does say, and this tickled Phil, he says towards the end of his comments, the open, forceful, brackets, and obvious philosophical misalignment, close brackets, between you and Phil is very good. And he, he thinks that in general there can be many difficulties in finding practical methods of changing behaviour, but he thinks that our attempts in making that happen are quite valid and, uh, and viable. So thanks Alex for that, and we're, we're going ca- to carry on our debate at some stage, but uh, um, Heather made mention of uh, involving FWAG later on, which are a farming wildlife advisory group. Yes, um, dear Alex,
1: don't think that I haven't noted your comments, <laughs> might especially be on, on my the side. Ricardo comments yeah. that you've put in. I won't let them drop, but we'll be back to you, because obviously we can't carry on hedge row row every week because the occasional listener out there doesn't really buy into it the realignment most, most of rich
4: do. continues <laughs> <laughs> and just quickly louise has said farmers aside she thinks we might mention the detrimental impacts that some of the large supermarket chains etc have developers that have on hedgerows and whatnot she said for example she lives near land that used to be farmland uh, and which obviously was considerably more environmentally beneficial than it is now having been turned into uh, john lewis and uh, uh, sainsbury's and they built a massive great car park on the bridleway and uh, and the hedgerows so we could mention that i think the reason that we tend not to mention those guys we have done in the past so we've had we've had really good lively supermarket debates and i think that's perhaps what you're looking for now is it the number of which is it <laughs> Do you remember which number it was yeah yeah and uh, but but i think the reason that we tend to talk about the impacts that farmers have on the landscape is because there's one in the
2: room and uh... <laughs> here we go no, again.
1: <laughs> forget it richard no, not no. this week no. i
2: think one okay. one interesting comment is that supermarkets were persuaded when they started expanding a lot to plant trees in there car parks that they were putting up across the land. I don't necessarily think that they would be averse to being persuaded to plant bits of hedge and things like that. It may be that the argument hasn't been put to them because they are willing to spend money on making their car parks that bit better. Yeah. So mm. it may be an education.
1: Whoa. Whoa. I had it. <laughs> Stop. Just one little point
4: that I'd, like, I'd perhaps like to make. Previously, I was involved with this big... Scheme to develop part of Hereford. Get one of the gateways into Hereford, and the southern gateway into Hereford. I saw you with
1: your cider press.
4: And uh, Yeah, well, so I was working with an architect, and we were looking at creating a car park that side of Hereford, but doing it in such a way to make it really aesthetically pleasing, involving trees and hedging. So it's, they, the sentiment is out there. And feels no need, really well. no,
2: the whole of Hereford's a car park at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Ah, yes, the new mm. Asda.
1: Moving on. If you want to listen to Heather, me yakking on about small business, then go to the Engaging Brand Podcast. It's a very tinny-sounding podcast because Anna had a bit of trouble with the Skype. But apart from that, I'm sure you'll have a laugh. Go to the theengagingbrand.typepad.com. And next week, I can't wait because Michael and I are off to L.A., to the Podcast Expo. So if you are a podcaster out there, you'll be listening to this on Monday, so I'll see you Thursday, chubby, and we'll get together and have a beer.
2: <laughs> what are we doing while the cat's away, Rich? Uh, playing.
1: And don't forget to email two more people to tell them about our show, because our rating figures have gone like this. Woo!
4: Well, they'll, they'll be deafened now by that <laughs> anyway, I think. Bye for now. Bye. 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 Mm. Excellent.
1: Good job it's vintage. Karma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, Chill. It, it looks
2: nicer <laughs> than it
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice glasses. <laughs> Excuse me. Could you just pass Your- a carrot or something? <laughs>
2: it's got a bit of bite to it. Though. Your How's, best it?
1: crystal. <laughs>
4: Take the taste away. Is this the Londis special?
1: I mm. will say this. The bubbles have just landed in my tummy. Yeah. Oh. I must say, that really? is a piss-poor celebration. Let's <laughs> 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 do it again next week. <laughs> well, I think we'll have to have a yeah. new celebration for the new year <laughs> next week.